Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello. How are you? Oh, no, I have to do it. I, I can already tell. I have to lick my fingers to grab these pages and move them. I know that some of you hate that. I hope you can forgive me. Some days you got to lick your fingers or else you're not going to get anywhere. Hey, today we're going to talk about uh, a vineyard distinctive is what they call them. That the vineyard movement as a whole, uh, if you're not familiar, this is not the only vineyard church. We have 1,800 and something vineyards throughout the world. Uh, there are about 600 of them in the United States. Uh, there's a vineyard church at least in every state. There's a vineyard church in every single country in the world. Every single country. Multiple uh, in many of them. Uh, but one of the things that is really cool about any vineyard church is that they carry the same distinctives with them. Certain tenets, certain core values that make up what the vineyard is. One of them that I'm going to talk about today is that everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. All of you, all of us, all of me, all of anybody that you've met, all of the people who you've been like, man, this one's a problem. All of the people that uh, have maybe wronged you, all the people that you look at and you think they're a superstar, but they aren't. Everyone gets to play. Uh, so how many of you love giving presents to your kids uh, when, with Christmas coming up? That's just one of the most exciting things. I, I love that. Um, I don't care if um, people think that I'm spoiling my kids. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Uh, because good fathers give good gifts to their children. And our Heavenly Father has given us incredibly good gifts. What if this year we give a gift to our Heavenly Father? And your gift could look like a lot of different things. When I get gifts from my kids, I will love them even if they're the crappiest, weirdest gifts ever. Because it was their thought going into it. And, and actually, they give me pretty good gifts. But no matter what it is, if it was bad, I would love it because it's my kids giving it to me. The same thing with us giving any gift that we can to God. Any gift that we can to our Father in heaven, he's going to love it because we were thinking about him. And we gave him some of our time, some of our money, some of our talent. What I want to talk about today with this, this concept of everyone gets to play is that Jesus showed up specifically to dismantle cliques. If you've ever been a person who said, oh, that, it's, they have cliques there. It's like there's groups of cool people and not cool people. It feels like I can't break into the, to the cool group. I remember we got people in our small group at different points, and, and they would say, I feel like I'm in the cool group now. We're like, really? <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> 
In a few weeks, they're like, this, you guys are not cool. <laughs> but Jesus came to kind of dismantle those, those cliques or those, um, those clubs, those groups that said, it's only us, uh, you're not allowed in. Anything that was exclusive, that excluded people, he tried to break those things down because the entire thing about the kingdom of God is that it's inclusive, that it's for everybody, that everyone gets to play. And the thing about the kingdom of God is that there's no superstars in it. There's no superstars. Um, You might look at somebody uh, and think that they're a superstar in the kingdom, that, oh my gosh, they're doing it so much better than me. Jesus is the only superstar in the kingdom of God. What it says in the word is that we are common clergy, that we are common clergy, that we are a royal priesthood, all of us. That Have you ever thought that you were a priest? Things kind of get weird when you start thinking about what do we know priest as, but the Bible says that you are a priest, that you are part of the common clergy, that it's not people who have risen to a certain level. It's not if you're up here, then you can pray for someone else on their behalf. It's not anything like that. We are common clergy. So whenever somebody tries to come up and ask for, they'll, they'll wait for a special prayer from me. Man, I don't have special ones because <laughs> I'm not a superstar in the kingdom. I'm, I'm common clergy. I have the same access to God that you do. 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, As you come to him, the living stone, who was rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are being built into a spiritual house Because you are like a living stone. Anybody ever told you you're dumb as a rock? (laughs) Just say thank you. You're like a living stone. Imagine those living stones as if they were a brick. If the living stone is a brick, we've all seen a brick before. The thing about a brick is it can be either... Um, dangerous or safe. A brick can be super dangerous if it's just sitting in the yard and you don't see it and you trip over it or if you step on it and you twist your ankle. A a brick when it's just laying in the yard is super dangerous. A brick that's thrown is super dangerous. A brick out of place is dangerous but a brick that is put together with a bunch of other bricks built into something can protect you from the elements. It can make you safe. Bricks can be either one of them. Same thing with you. As a living stone, you can, you can be safe for the kingdom or you can be dangerous for the kingdom. You can help build the kingdom up or you can maybe twist the ankle of somebody in the kingdom. A brick that's out of place causes people to stumble and fall. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy. You've received mercy. And, and mercy is like, mercy is not getting something you do deserve. Like that you were owed punishment and you were let off the hook. That's mercy. Jesus called his disciples to him in Matthew chapter 4. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. At once they left their nets and followed him. This always... uh, hit me in a weird way whenever I read it because I just thought, it says that they were fishermen, like it was their job, it was their family business, it was what they did to make money, and Jesus comes along and says, hey, why don't you come with me? And they go, okay. (laughs) Uh, Are you going to give us more money than we currently make? He's like, no, no money. There is no money. Do you have any money? And they follow, why do they follow him? Why do they follow him uh, giving up their job? Uh, potentially dooming the family. Why do they follow Jesus? Jesus had, to have, Jesus, Jesus had to have something that they wanted so bad it was worth more than that job. They had to recognize something in him that they wanted this thing. That what they were probably craving was purpose. They were probably craving something bigger than just throwing nets in and bringing fish out every day. And I would imagine once they found out who they were, who Jesus told them they were, that they were sons of the Most High God, that he had a better way of life for it. I imagine that, you know, the same thing that happened to me, the only response that you have when it hits you all the way is I want to tell everybody about him. I want to tell everybody about him. It says in verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Their dad's got to be saying, where are you going? They left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus has to be bringing some type of stories surrounding him. They had to have heard about Jesus and what he's been up to and the miracles and the the way that he is treating people and the things that he's saying about the kingdom of God coming and that there's, there's a better way He's got to be bringing something that would cause them to just drop everything and follow him. He says, come and follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. You guys know how to fish for fish. I'm going to send you out to fish for people. Now, the thing that he says is, I'll make you 
fishers of men. I will make you. I will send you out. This language is not, hey, I have an idea. Here's an opportunity for you. Maybe you want to do this. No, I'm giving you a mandate. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you out to fish for people. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to send you out to fish for people. And then they say, what do you mean? How will we fish for people? And he says, I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you into what I need you to do. The thing about churches that's, that's kind of strange, I guess it makes sense, but uh, for years and years and years I've read about it and it seems to remain true throughout most churches is that they call it an 80-20 rule that goes on, an 80-20 rule that if you're trying to plant a new church that you need to keep this in mind that there's an 80-20 rule where basically it's that uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people do 80% of the work and then the 80% of the people cover the other 20%. And it, it is very, very true. Our church seems to be a bit better. Here we seem to be more like, you know, 60-40. Somewhere around there. 60% of the, the people doing 40% of the work and 40% of the people doing 60%. Uh, with the exception of giving. So... Volunteering is one thing, but giving money is, is different. For us, it's, it looks like it's around 85-15, where it's 15% of the people give 85% of the money that comes in. One of the things about that that churches have studied over, over many years is that many churches get to a point where um, if they are too oversaturated with people who are not um, doing their share of things, either serving or giving, sharing their time, their talent, their treasure, uh, if they get to a certain point in size where you know, th- there's not a lot of room left, the seats are all taken up, that there are specific types of initiatives that can be put in place with churches that happen a lot of times where they try to get those people who don't do their fair share to get out. It's pretty interesting. A friend of mine, uh, his father-in-law, told me a story many years ago that he was attending a church that was in that kind of situation, and the pastor gave a message where he said, um, you know, if you're not giving money, then we need your seat. If you're not giving money, then we need your seat. And he stood up and said, okay, and left. And he hasn't been back to church since. Uh, This is about 10 or 12 years ago. Hasn't been back to church since. Has completely put God into the Uh, I can't stand you category because of that experience. Um, I would not say that. (laughs) Uh, I would not say to leave because I'm hoping that 
even if, if, you're, if you're somebody who doesn't, you know, help in any way, serving or, or using your talents or giving financially, um, I would never say leave because I'm hoping like heck that you're going to catch fire and you are going to start serving the kingdom of God and you are going to experience a different kind of life than you, than you thought before. Uh, but what I will say is this, you are costing the church money if, if you don't help, if you don't serve, if you don't give, that you are costing the church money because we, the 15%, who, who are doing that work, we bought the coffee and the cups this week. Um, we, the 15%, we bought the chairs that you're sitting in. Um, you know, part of the 40% who serve in different ways, um, they trimmed the bushes. They're the ones who pulled the weeds. They're the ones who watered the plants. They're the ones who blew off the parking lots. They're the ones who are serving and working on things, changing light bulbs and fixing plumbing issues and just doing a million different things. And so if you're not giving your time or your talent or your treasure to the kingdom of God, what it says in the Bible is that you are robbing the Lord and his people. And I know this is like kind of hard to hear. It says you're robbing the Lord and his people. The kingdom of God isn't free. It isn't free. Following Christ costs something. That's all Jesus ever tells us, that this is a costly venture, that Christianity is a costly decision. It's a costly work. It's not a spectator sport at all. It's not a thing where you come and you show up and you watch the things that are happening at church, that you are supposed to be the church, not a spectator. I've read before that um, being, uh, being a, a car going into a garage uh, doesn't make the car a garage. And being a Christian and coming into the church, it doesn't make you a church. Imagine that you signed up to be a Cincinnati Bengal. And you made the team. You're good. You made the team. If you made the team, you don't go and sit in the stands and be the number one fan of the Cincinnati Bengals. You are a Cincinnati Bengal. And so you do the work that a Bengal does. You don't just watch. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, So Christ himself, he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people. Man, and I know a lot of people who are blown this way or that way by the littlest things that, well, I, 
you know, I, I heard that you said this, and, and I, was, I believed that for a while, but then I saw this preacher on TV, and he said this, and so I'm changing everything. I'm like, you're changing everything based on one episode? <laughs> but I've seen it again and again and again. Or somebody will go to a conference, and they're like, oh, this is... You know how many people have left our church right after they went to a conference? And it's because they're blown this way or that way, easily. And I would say they're infants in the faith. It says that every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Man. Have you guys seen the food buckets? Like... A lot of ministries are selling food buckets for the apocalypse. Some of you know this? Any of you got food buckets? Some of these food buckets are up to $1,400 because they have survivalist stuff in them. They also include a poop shovel. So you know, because you gotta, you gotta have a plan. Gotta have a plan for the apocalypse. You got a, a little poop shovel and a bucket of food. And it's just interesting because it's, a, it's the thing about the, it's peddling, peddling the apocalypse. Man, those people make some money. They make some money. And I would call it deceitful scheming. It says in verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. See, one of the things that I have heard many, many times over the years, um, we'll have people that show up to our church new and we'll talk with them and a lot of times they say yeah I just showed up here because at my old church I just wasn't getting fed I wasn't being fed that is a red flag for me I'm like oh no you're not going to get fed here either <laughs> the reason I say that is because um, you know the the Bible talks about the difference between milk and meat spiritually. And milk, the spiritual milk is the hearing of the word. The milk is the reading of the word. The milk is the seeing of ministry happen, but not doing it yourself, but seeing other people do it. That is milk. Meat is doing the stuff. Meat is doing the stuff. Meat is doing the stuff that the Bible talks about. It's always that. It's, that's always the meat. And so whenever somebody says, I'm not really being fed uh, in some way, um, the thing that I want to challenge you to is that um, to, to picture yourself with a little baby bib on. Because people who are wanting to be fed are little babies with, it, with, with bibs on. And you, here's the airplane. And you got to wipe it off the side of their little, oop, there you go. 
all of us to become mature, we have to turn in our bib for an apron. It's a call to put on an apron is what we are here for. It is not to put on a little bib and to be fed. I like to channel Mr. JFK on this one a little bit and say that I would ask, ask not what your church can do for you, <laughs> but ask what you can do for your church. If you're showing up every week to be fed, um, man, you're going to be starving. You're going to be starving. Because the only way that you eat, the only way that, you know, you don't survive on milk alone anymore. You're, if you're trying to be mature, that's not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. If you want to survive and you need meat, that is in the doing of the stuff. If you want to be fed, you do the stuff. And so why, why would you give your time or your talent or your treasure? Uh, the reason why you do it is to be a witness. It's to be a witness. We're called to be witnesses for Christ. Just that we would, we would be doing things throughout the world where people would look at that and they would say, why on earth are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you inconveniencing yourself like when you don't have to? Why are you giving money away? That, why don't you just hold on to that? You're, that's, some might even say it's irresponsible. Why would you give your money away to be a witness? Acts chapter 1, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and Shevois and to the ends of the earth. Um, I have a zombie apocalypse uh, kind of fantasy that I've always had. Anybody else have zombie apocalypse fantasies where basically uh, it's just the idea of everything like um, just the only people that survive um, are doing work where everybody has a role like there's this fun part of it in my head where uh, there's a purpose for every single person or else they become dinner and so just that picture of if we don't work together this is not going to happen like, nobody in a zombie apocalypse is able to just hide forever and go, I'm just going to try to wait this out. No, you better be working on something. I know people who are critical of the success of different churches. We've had people be critical of the success of our church. Um, people being critical of the success of mega churches, of um, Crossroads or the Big Vineyard in Tri-County, um, of lots of different places, that, oh, that's just a, they got a million TVs all over the place, they have this, they have that, it seems like it's a waste of money. If you are critical of that church, you are being critical of the success of the kingdom of God. 
And I have to remind myself of that all the time, that if I start to get jealous of something, that I'm being critical or I'm being jealous, I'm being negative about the success of the kingdom of God. The mission that we have here at this church, at Vineyard Westside, our mission is to bring the incredible life of Jesus Christ to the lost and the broken on the west side of Cincinnati. To bring the incredible life of Jesus to the lost and the broken. Some of you would say, well, that's our mission. I'm not lost or broken. Yeah, you're the bringer. You're the one to be bringing the incredible life of Jesus to the lost and the broken. And some of you are lost or broken. All of us go in and out of that. And so sometimes the church is there to be the hospital. Sometimes the church is there to be the school. Sometimes the church is there to be the military, where you are equipped to go out and take back enemy ground. The question is, how are you participating in that mission? How are you participating in that mission? Because it's everyone gets to play. It's not just special people. If you're sitting there right now going, well, not me. You don't know what I've done. Man, you don't know what I've done. It's for all of us. I have no idea why I'm allowed to be up here. And so everyone gets to play, and everyone needs to play. Everyone needs to play. This thing of 80-20 rules and things, is, it's sad. It's sad to me because it's, you know, that's when anybody who serves and they dig in to the work of the kingdom of God, and they give of themselves, and they, they give their time or their talent or their treasure, they know, many of you know, that that's where something activates. That that's where all of a sudden things get real. That's where you see God begin to move in different ways. It's not just everybody gets to play. It's everyone needs to play. How do you play? You can play going to the outreach and wrapping presents. You can, pray, you can play by doing Christmas caroling. You can play by... I don't know who bought these poinsettias. I don't know. But somebody bought them. And it wasn't, it wasn't something out of the church budget. Somebody bought them and showed up and put them out and made things look nice. And that's somebody who stepped in to play. For some, it might be to, um, you know, it, it could be financial, where you're giving more money to, that, that hits your heart for some reason. The boiler broke and it cost $5,000. You think it's bad at your house, everything at this house costs a lot. <laughs> it's always shocking. And so you might have the call on you to give towards that. That might be where your heart is, that that's, that's your role. Some people, that's, that's their gifting that God has given you, um, that maybe you are successful in some way, and God has gifted you in generosity. And you've been someone who's figured out that you can't give enough away, 
that it keeps coming back to you. Maybe the way that you play is to go and serve in the food pantry or the community dinner that goes on on Monday nights. On Thanksgiving, we had so many people down there and it was just so fun to go around and sit at different tables and eat with people and talk and serve food and just the atmosphere was joy. The atmosphere was joy because people are serving together. They're, they're playing. <laughs> they're playing in the kingdom. Everyone gets to play. Everyone needs to play. How are you participating in that mission? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, thank you for the people in this room that, that are invested in your kingdom that do give their time or their talents or their treasures or all of them. God, I thank you that your, your word is true, that, that we can't outgive you. And that whatever I have given you over the years, you, you have blessed us back. God, that somehow we've always been able to survive better on 90% of our income than 100%. How does that work? Thank you that many of us have had that feeling and that experience of stepping into a calling, stepping into a gifting, stepping into something that you wired us to do, and all of a sudden it was like the pieces of the puzzle came together. I'm praying that for people in this room who haven't had it, yeah, that they would, they would know how to serve. And whatever it is, if it's a creative thing, the photographers would step into kingdom work. That retail store managers would step into kingdom work to figure out how to bring the incredible life of Jesus to the lost and the broken. that accountants would step into kingdom work, that mechanics would step into it, that those are, who are heading to the Bengals game, that there would be a side mission because there's always a side mission to bring the incredible life of Jesus to the lost and the broken. Lord, we just pray that you would come and you would equip us. You said in your word, I will make you fishers of men. And so we ask that you would equip us, that you would make us fishers of men, that you would send us out, that you would show us people that are hurting. Show us people who are lost. Give us boldness to talk to them, to show them the way, because you're the way and the truth and the life. We know that no one comes to the Father except through you. Thank you for rescuing us. We pray that you help us to go out and rescue other people. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. 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 God bless you guys. I love you. I hope to see you guys soon. Have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.